sounded like a full message. Was, uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I only have a few things to add to it. It was really so well done. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to. I have a handout that I'm going to give out now, and um, it is just something that will help us to take away this morning some thoughts about the coming of Jesus, and. Um, when we think about Jesus coming and we remember what that means at Christmas time, um, one word that we often use in English is the incarnation, the incarnation of Jesus. And what does that word incarnation mean? That's at the top of this handout that I'm getting ready to hand out to you. Incarnation means that Jesus came to become like one of us. He came as a baby, and he took on a human body. Now, you, you heard Jessica talking about the amazing love of God, that God loved us so much that he made us, he made, he made the world, he made the universe, he made people. He loved what he made. He loves this world. He loves the trees and the sky and the rivers and the flowers. He loves good books and good movies. He loves the things that he made us to enjoy this world. Okay, He loves this world. Do you know that? Mm-hmm. And he loves you. And as Jessica was reading, this terrible lie that came into the hearts of the first humans that said, God doesn't really love you, so you should just try to be your own God. That's the terrible lie that came in. And when that terrible lie came, then the... The wonderful love relationship that Adam and Eve had with God was broken. They, they, they couldn't see God anymore face to face. And God created a plan to get his people back. And that's what the birth of Jesus is all about. Is Jesus coming from heaven, wherever that is. <laughs> coming from God's place where he rules and reigns. Coming here. And he took on a human body. That's what the word incarnation means. The incarnation of Jesus. So if you would... Um, Mary, could you help me? Or maybe you, you can help me hand these out. And, um, and so this morning we're going to talk about what does this story of Jesus coming to earth and taking, becoming one of us, what does that mean to us today? Because Jesus came... 2,000 years ago, right? Jesus came 2,000 years ago. So what does it mean to us today when we remember Christmas and we remember the birth of Jesus and we sing songs like Away in a Manger and Joy to the World and Emmanuel? Uh, What does that really mean to us today? Because in American culture and society, Christmas is a very commercialized holiday you know it's mostly focused on buying gifts and giving gifts and and gift giving is wonderful but that's not the main reason for Christmas Christmas is to remember that Jesus came to be one to take on a human body and so here is God fully God okay the God of the universe comes as a human baby, okay, born of a virgin. And so this God is now, this baby Jesus is fully God, 
and fully human. Okay. Um, where is Jessica and her little daughter? Upstairs. Upstairs. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Maybe when she'll come down again, we can get her to be a little visual aid here. Okay. Um, I want you just to look here on, uh, just to think about this. Okay. Here is um, Mary and Joseph. And, you know, everything that the Bible has to say about the life of Jesus when he was a little boy, it can be found in Matthew chapter 1 and 2 and Luke chapter 1 and 2. The whole story about Jesus as a child can be found in those two chapters. And we know the story because we've heard it so many times, some of us. But like Arthur preached a few weeks ago, sometimes we've heard the story so much that we've lost the wonder of it, you know, because we just know it by, we almost know it, we could tell it, we could tell it because we know the story so well. But when you look in um, the book of Luke, chapter 2, it actually tells the story of Jesus' birth. And this is the story that my mother used to read to us every Christmas Eve. And my mother is here with me this morning. She's seated over here. And she would faithfully read Luke chapter 2 to us. I'll never forget that. Uh, We still have her read to us because it's a family tradition. And so I'm just going to read um, some parts of it here. Um, And uh, so so, so Mary and Joseph went up to be registered and they went to Bethlehem and it says in chapter 2 verse 6 and while they were there the time came for her to give birth okay and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn now we have someone here this morning Iris is getting ready to have a baby soon And so I just want you to think about our friend Iris, who is carrying a baby inside of her right now. Mary, that we read about in the Bible, was carrying a baby. She was nine months pregnant. Um, She must have been very uncomfortable. And she had to ride on an animal to travel to this city uh, with her her, um, husband-to-be, And they were going to have to be registered um, by their family name. And while they were in Bethlehem, she began to have the pains of birth. And she needed to find a place to have the baby. Now, Iris, where will you have your baby? In the Rex Hospital. You will have your baby in a very nice place. Okay, But when Mary needed to have her baby, there was no room for them to rent there was no hospital for them to go to as a matter of fact there was not even a clean place for them to go to the only place they could find to have the baby was a place where the animals lived it was dirty it was smelly it was probably very cold and that's where mary had her baby can you imagine There was no doctor there. There was no nurse. There was no clean place. It was just Mary and Joseph and the animals. And she had her baby there. Jesus, the God of the universe, is born 
in a dirty place for animals. Now, what kind of God would allow himself to come as a human being, as a baby, because he loved us that much? What does it say about the nature and character of God that he would come like that? Well, you know, Paul wrote, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament wrote in the book of Philippians, he wrote something in Philippians chapter 2, and he, it says this. He's talking about Jesus. And Paul writes and says, um, Have this mind among yourselves, which is in Christ Jesus, that though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of humans, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. I think we forget sometimes the wonder of what it is that God came down in the person of Jesus and became one of us. When you look at Jessica's little baby girl, what does that little baby girl have to do every day? Cry. Yes. What else? Eat. Sleep. Poo. That's exactly right. Okay. That's, isn't it true? Everything that normal human babies do, Jesus did. And he, and yet, he was the God of the universe who came to earth to get his people back by his great love. But he didn't come to earth as an adult. He came to earth as a baby, completely dependent on Mary and Joseph. And I want you to think about Mary and Joseph. How were they supposed, they had been told, you know, you're going to have a baby and you will name him Jesus and he will save his people from their sins. And people had prophesied over Jesus when he was born. And they said, this little boy is going to bring redemption to the world and he also will pierce your heart. Because you will be pained at what happens to this little boy when he grows up. And here, how do you think Mary and Joseph would feel holding a baby, baby Jesus, and he has to nurse at Mary's breast, he has to have his diapers changed, he has to sleep, he has to grow up, he has to learn to walk, okay? He probably throws his food on the floor, right? Yeah? What do you think? I don't know about that. Uh, I would imagine he would. Um, Now, folks, Jesus became one of us. That's what the incarnation means. He came as one of us. He one day. How old are you, Simon? You're four. One day, Jesus. Many, many, many years ago, Jesus was four years old. What do you think Jesus was like when he was four? Very busy, I would imagine. (laughs) What do you think? I bet you Jesus ran around like Simon does. I bet you Jesus uh, talked a lot. I bet he asked a lot of questions. How old is Esther? 
Are you four? Are you three? Are you five? Tomorrow. You're five tomorrow? <gasps> One day, many, many years ago, Jesus was five just like you. Jesus was five just like you. Can you imagine? We've lost, we can lose the wonder of realizing that Jesus was one day, three, five, was five years old, four years old. One day he was just a little baby boy. And do you know what? Mary and Joseph had to deal with the tension of the incarnation to remember they're holding the Son of God, but he still needs to have his diapers changed. How do you deal with that tension? Fully God fully human that's Jesus fully God fully human how old are these two young handsome young men back here 12 and 12 awesome yeah do you know when Jesus was 12 Jesus they had gone his family had gone on a trip to Jerusalem and Jesus, at 12, went to the temple to listen in to the teachers. He liked school. Isn't that interesting? He liked school. He had learned, Jesus learned how to read, folks. He had to because it's, the Bible says he read from the, the scrolls. Jesus learned how to read. Okay, Jesus went got some kind of an education. And he went to the temple when he was 12, you guys. And he was asking questions of the teachers and they were amazed at how smart he was and how wise he was at 12 years of age. But when his parents found him there, they said, well, why didn't you tell us you were coming here? And Jesus said, don't you know I have to be about my father's business? And yet he went home with his parents and submitted to them as obedient to his parents because that's what you do when you're 12. Jesus was 12 at one time. And of course, in the Jewish culture, that would have been the bar mitzvah, which is when he would have come into his place as being seen as an emerging adult in culture and society. Folks, the Bible tells, the Bible tells us that right after Jesus was born, that an angel came to Joseph and said, you must take Jesus to Egypt because a terrible genocide is coming. And you must protect your son Jesus because Herod, one of the political leaders, was very upset about the story of Jesus. And so he decided he was going to go and kill every little boy who was two years old and younger in the whole region. And he did. And so an angel came to Joseph and Mary and said, you must take Jesus to Egypt and you must stay there until Herod, the political leader, dies. Guess what? Jesus and his family were refugees. Now wrap your head around that. Is that not modern history right now? Jesus and his family knew what it was like to be a refugee. To have to leave their country and go somewhere else where they did not know the language, they did not know the culture, and, one, and, and who knows how people treated them because the Bible doesn't tell us. But I can tell you that refugees aren't often very popular. Folks, Jesus has become one of us in all of our humanity and yet did not sin. 
Jesus knows everything that we could possibly go through because he went through it. The God of the universe came and took on a human body that had to go to bed every night. Just like we do. And I know some get less sleep than others. I'm looking over at my brother Bill. But I have to get eight hours of sleep every night or I'm not very pleasant to be around. And my brain doesn't function very well. Yeah, come on. <laughs> so, folks, Jesus, Jesus, the God of the universe, came and became human and had to go to sleep every night. Yes, he did. Of course he did. Yeah. Jesus had to eat food in order to live. Jesus had to deal with people that didn't like him. People that gossiped about him. People that gossiped about his family and slandered his mother. Jesus had aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters that he had to get along with, right? Oh my goodness, folks, let's not lose the wonder of the incarnation of Christ. And you know, we don't know from the age of 12 until the age of 30 when Jesus began his public ministry, the Bible tells us nothing about the life of Jesus. But what do you think he did from the time he was 12 to the time he was 30? He worked. He, worked. <laughs> he got a job. <laughs> he obeyed his parents. Probably borrowed his father's camera. He probably, yeah. I mean, yeah. He, he, he still ate. He still ate, and he probably ate a lot. Yeah? Think about this, folks. Think about this, folks. Jesus went through puberty. Jesus went through puberty. Jesus became a teenager with all of the raging hormones. I mean, folks, if we don't. It, it, if we don't embrace the idea that Jesus took on a human body with everything that that means and yet obeyed the Father and did not sin, then we have no hope. Jesus came to identify with us as a human being, fully human, fully God, never sinned, but experienced temptation just like we do. He lived a sinless life, but he did not live life in a bubble that was spared from trials and hardships or temptations. Think about this, folks. Have you ever experienced the sense of not necessarily temptation, but just simply your own finiteness? This has come home to me recently, and that's why I prepared this message, because... So, can you imagine that Jesus, when, and when he finally did begin his ministry... And he's in a village and he's healing people. And there's I and I have been in places like this where if you say you're going to pray for people, there will be a line mm -hmm. of hundreds of people that want prayer. I have I have seen that. And they don't want they don't want you, anybody else to pray for them. They want the speaker to pray for them. Okay? I've happened to me in Korea. I didn't know very well about Korean culture and I said well let's we I will pray for you everybody in the whole meeting got up and got in the line for prayer and they wanted me to pray for them <laughs> now now look folks and I was so exhausted at the end I couldn't even hardly stand up can you imagine it happened to Jesus too can you imagine Jesus in a village healing people and he hears the father whisper to him in his mind like he like the father does to us 
It's enough, son. It's over for today. Leave now. And there's still people to pray for? Or when he says to Jesus, you're done in this village, son. Go to the next village. And people are saying to Jesus, because this Bible talks about this. The people say to him, don't go, Jesus. There's more people in this village who need your help. And Jesus says, I'm sorry. The father's told me I need to go to the next village. I'm done here. And people would have misunderstood and probably people would have been angry. Folks, Jesus walked this, this earth, this broken world, yet this world that God loves and has made and, and he, and he called it good. And he made us and he called it very good. And, and, and even when the big lie came in, God didn't take away the image of himself in us. He just says now it's a broken image, but you still bear the image of God. And you are called with a purpose and a destiny. It's just that a bunch of broken people are running around now. But God wants to heal them and restore them to the calling and purpose that he has for us. Folks, God has called us to be his image bearers on earth. You, Jinjin, you are made in the image of God. You have a brilliant mind and you have a body and you have emotions and you have a will and you have a spirit because God made you like that. And Jesus is like that too. And he came 2,000 years ago as a baby, but he didn't stay a baby. He became an adult. And I, and of course, this is, this is a comfort to me. He didn't marry, you know, about what he knows what it's like to be single, you know. He knows what it's like to be single. Nobody, you know what I love about that? Nobody gets left out in the kingdom of God. Not one person gets left out in the kingdom of God, folks. You know in Isaiah 54, when he's talking about the comfort of his hope, he's talking about sing aloud, you barren ones who have never had a child. Because more of your, well, you will have more descendants than those who have had children. So, Put your tent stakes down deeper and stretch your cords out wider and go live your life for Jesus and watch the inheritance come in. Nobody gets as left out in the kingdom of God. Married, single, with child, not with child, doesn't matter, folks, because that's not our identity. Our identity is in the same Jesus. It's the same Jesus. He loves us. And he's with us. And we have a purpose to play in this world. Folks, you know, we are, Jesus came to deliver his people from sin. But he also came to show us the Father. And he, when Jesus came, he said, the kingdom of God has now arrived. The kingdom has arrived. Well, so what's the kingdom of God? What does it look like? Well, what did Jesus do? He healed people. He forgave sin. He showed the Father. He cared for people, right? He he set people free. Folks, that's the kingdom of God. And you know what? When we follow Jesus, we become part of His kingdom. And we have purpose. We have Each one of us has a special purpose. I was talking with Claire the other day, and I said, Hey, Claire, what are you doing for your doctoral, postdoctoral work? She says, I'm studying how to take microalgae 
that can be used to remove heavy metals from wastewater. I went, wow, <laughs> that is awesome, because heavy metals in wastewater will kill people. Yes. And God's not about killing people. God's about saving people. Right. So that kind of work is God's work. And you were called and gifted to do that kind of work that not a lot of people can do. Folks, little Esther here, little Simon back there, these guys back here, Henry, you have these children have a purpose in this world. They have a purpose in this world. They, Clara has, is born with a purpose in this world that no one else can fulfill. Just like Mary and Joseph held that baby Jesus and had all these promises but didn't know what it was going to look like, they held on to those promises. And we have to hold on to those promises for our own children. That she has a purpose. She is made to know God. God loves her. She has a purpose. So you know what, folks? When we think about the coming of Jesus... We think about the advent, which means the coming of Jesus. It is so much more than a sentimental talking about and singing about the baby Jesus, because that's what our culture and society has kind of made it, you know. It's a real sentimental, you know, and, um, you know, we sing about Frosty the Snowman, you know, and Jingle Bells, and, you know, and, and, um, and, and sometimes we sing that we and we sing other Christmas carols, but folks, Jesus is not in the crib anymore. Jesus went. He he lived his life. He did the will of the Father. He died at the age of thirty three on a cross, and he God rose him from the dead, and he resurrected, and he went back to the Father where he still has a body. You know that Jesus still has his body. It has the scars on it. And when he comes back again, he's coming back in that body. So folks, when we think about the world we're living in today, I wanted to encourage us when we say, come Lord Jesus, we're saying it for many reasons. Sometimes we're thinking about when he will come again, when we, we don't know when that will be. But for 2,000 years, everybody who has been a follower of Jesus that we are standing on the shoulders of, they have been crying, come Lord Jesus, not just for the second coming, but for right now on earth to accomplish the kingdom work. And you know what? I just experienced that along with many others on Wednesday night when we went to Rex Hospital and we went to pray and minister to people. And if you have never done that, you should put it on your calendar right now for 2016. Because it is probably one of the best outreaches we have. Mm -hmm. And we went in room after room after room of people who were sick, discouraged, had lost their hope. And we went in and said, can we pray for you? And people said, please pray for us. People were crying. They, were, they, were, they started singing with us and praying with us. And don't worry about the baby because that's real life, right? That's what was, that was how Jesus sounded too, you know. But folks, Jesus is with us right here on earth, okay? He's with us. And he's calling us to be about his business. And folks, when we say, come Lord Jesus, don't let it be a cry of desperation. 
Oh, Lord, we've just got to get out of here. No, let it be a cry of hope. Mm-hmm. Come, Lord Jesus, right now and touch mm-hmm. this person's body. Come, Lord Jesus, right now and deliver that person who's depressed. Come right now and help this person who's lost all their hope and all their peace. Come, Lord Jesus, and make a way for these refugees. Come, Lord Jesus, save people that are in my family that don't know you yet. Come, Lord Jesus, in my neighborhood. Come, Lord Jesus, in my workplace. Come, Lord Jesus. Can we just say it together? Come, Lord Jesus. And bring your kingdom. Let us see it right here on earth as it is in heaven. Right now. Right now. Now, because it is a shout of hope, God is, Jesus is with us. He loves us. He came to become one of us. And when we say, Jesus, I want to know you. I want to love you. I want to follow you. He comes into our lives. He cleanses us from sin. And he begins to change us to become like him. I'm going to read you a quick quote. Um, This is a quote from a book I was reading, and it says, um, if I can find it. It says, The daring goal of the Christian life is an ever deeper reformation of our inner self so that it becomes more and more, reflects the glory and goodness of God. An ever bigger, radiant, shining conformity to the life and faith and desires and habits of Jesus. An utter transformation of ourselves into whole and perfect daughters and sons of God. That's the goal. And you know, I was just, I'll just finish with this and then we're going to listen to a song. You know, I was just, you know, those of you who are Americans and, um, And those of you who are not, but you will hear many a lot about this. We're getting ready to enter a new year, 2016. It's a political year, you know, where you will hear a lot of people make a lot of promises, and you'll have a lot, a lot of debates and a lot of arguments about who's going to be the best leader for our nation. And of course, the same thing happens in your countries, right? You know, everybody says, "I have the solution." Folks, all of it is just noise. It's just noise, folks. Donald Trump, the name Donald Trump won't even be in people's memory 20 years from now or 30 years from now. He'll be gone. It's just, yeah, it's just, (laughs) it's just noise, right? You know what? As kingdom people, we need to kind of like, in a sense, kind of like get above the noise and look down through eyes of faith that God is on the throne. God is at work. God hasn't abandoned us. Our hope is not in a political leader. Our hope is not even in an ethnicity or a particular country. Our hope is in Jesus, the risen Lord, the one who came to become one of us, who is back with the Father. He's praying for us. He has sent the Holy Spirit to strengthen us, to teach us, to change us, to become more like him. To be all that he wants you and I to be right here on this earth until we draw our last breath or until the day comes when the father says, okay, son, it's now time for you to go back. I don't worry about when Jesus is coming back. 
I have no idea when he's coming back. I've lived, I've lived long enough now. I lived through the 1988, the 88 reasons why Jesus was coming back in 1988. I've lived through Y2K. I've, I, folks, I've lived through enough of them. Okay. And if Jesus tarries, doesn't come back right away, you will go through all those too. Folks, I, we should live our lives as if Jesus is coming back tomorrow and work and be a part of his kingdom as if he's not coming back in our lifetime. Don't get paralyzed or don't quit and give up being part of what's going on in this world because of your when when Jesus is coming back. Folks, when we say come Lord Jesus, it's a cry of hope for right now. Right now. Right now. Amen. Amen. So we want I want to just pray, but we want to um we want to do something special today as an application for the message. We want to ask the children to be to go be with their families and we want to just have a time to just kind of just pray go around and pray a blessing over the children and to remember to remember that Jesus was a child once too and that his parents had hopes and promises for him. Let's just go around and pray. We're going to go around and pray and bless the children. And while we're doing that, we'll just play this. Uh, we'll play this song. Um, it's called the song called um, "Labor of Love," which is a song on YouTube about Mary's um, Mary's uh, birth. And you know what? Like Jessica said this morning, a labor love means laying down your life for another person in time and energy. Right? Doing things that you'd prefer not to do, but you do it out of love and out of devotion and commitment to another person um i've never had a child but i've got a mom and um and when she moved up here four years ago an african proverb became very uh, real to me the proverb was if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go together if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go together I'm tired of going alone I'd rather slow down a little bit and go together so but that's what it is like having children too you don't get to go as fast as you used to go so let's so we're going to put on a song in the background but let's just if can the children can be with their families and then we're just going to take a few minutes to just move around and just pray blessings over these children okay as a way of wrapping up today and remembering the incarnation of Jesus all right the corollary in my home is if you want to go on time, go along. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should I do it? Close the thing? Or is this? Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I got it. I got it. Okay, so let's just go ahead and start moving around, praying over the kids. Oh, 